Hello and welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Daniel Gray, Chief Revenue Officer at Blend Localization. Blend is a global localization service provider empowering global brands to establish a native presence in fundamentally different markets worldwide. Daniel is an experienced sales leader, having previously held the title of Chief Commercial Officer at Deluxe Entertainment Services. Prior to that, he was the Senior Vice President of IT Infrastructure Sales at The Hut Group and Senior Director of U.S. Enterprise Sales at We Localize. On this episode, Daniel discusses how to escape the RevOps vacuum, the importance of data taxonomy, and how to keep up with your customers' growing needs. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview with Daniel Gray, Chief Revenue Officer at Blend Localization and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I'm joined by a special guest. Daniel, how are you? Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat RevOps. So let's get into it. First, can you tell us a little bit about Blend Localization? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Blend is a company that provides localization and translation services to the market. So if you think of a quintessential brand like an Apple that's launching an iPhone and they've got to make that functional and usable in 50 different languages, a bunch of different geos, Blend helps companies like Apple and many others take their products to the global market. Yeah. And can you dive into a little bit more about your customers? Who do you sell to? What size companies and all that? So we actually operate from, if you want to go bottom up, from SMB, mid-market, emerging enterprise, enterprise. Typically, the larger enterprises, uh, I used Apple as just as an example, but if you use that as an example, uh, those companies will have lots of different products. They serve lots of customers in every single geo that you can think of. So it's typically those types of customers, but you also have emerging enterprise and SMB that are growing their revenues and to help grow their revenues and diversify revenues, they're going to go and internationalize or localize. So it really can be from even the smallest of companies that are localizing a website to the largest of companies that are localizing very complex products. We help them take their products to the global market. And as a, as a chief revenue officer, I'm curious, how do you define revenue operations? Yeah, <laughs> such a great question. So just as a backdrop, I've been in enterprise sales for good 25 years. And I've worked with sales ops and then more recently sales ops combined with rev ops and or the delineation between the two. The way I define right, wrong or indifferent, the way I define uh, sales ops are folks that are helping to get sales to function and operate the infrastructure for sales specifically. Then rev ops is really across the entirety of the organization. So sales, customer success, marketing, support, finance, the whole ecosystem. So for me, RevOps is really how do you manage the totality of revenue across the entire organization, across the entire customer experience. And you know, we might get into it a little bit later, but I've actually got those kind of compacted into one just based on the size of organization I am. But yeah, I've loved, I love this topic of sales ops and or RevOps. It's, it's a huge part of my success as the leader for sales. Yeah, I'm curious, like, do you ever kind of look back in time and say, I can't believe this wasn't a thing. Like, I can't believe that we didn't have these people. Like, what were we doing? 
Yeah. So, you know, sales ops was very insular to just sales. And then, you know, you get marketing and you get finance and you get customer support. And then, you know, even customer success being a whole nother kind of newer outcrop of the overall sales organization. Um, and then I think natural, at least what I saw happen was sales ops got pushed to, you know, act as rev ops, but there's a really great community in LinkedIn that really understands the difference between sales ops and rev ops. And mm-hmm. yeah, so hundred percent, you know, should have been a thing a long time ago, but for me, it was fulfilled, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent it was fulfilled through sales ops. Right. And tell us about your team and how y'all are organized. Yeah. You know, you got me at a great time. Our organization, based on where we are in our growth trajectory, we're just deploying customer success. I'm responsible for global revenue. We serve customers in the United States or the Americas, EMEA, and APAC. So I've got SDRs. I've got AEs. We're now launching and literally in the process of launching customer success. So that's really the totality of my sales organization. Um, We're a a small, medium-sized business clinically speaking. So we're sub $50 million in top line revenue. I've probably got a organization, a sales organization of 20, 25 folks um, with one sales ops rev ops person really at the helm of that. We'll talk about that probably in a little bit more detail, but that's the, that's the responsibility that I have for, for our current uh, sales team. And, and I'm curious, um, like, how do you think that, that your rev ops team compares to, you know, other orgs, obviously you mentioned, small team, team of one and all that. But like, do you think that your company is fundamentally different in some way or, or is it pretty similar? Oh, I'm actually really interested to learn, you know, from the greater community. I'll tell you, I may have a point guard for sales ops, rev ops, but there's really an ecosystem of folks around that. So we have business intelligence engineer, got growth marketing, we've got finance. So there's actually a group of folks that kind of surround the sales ops, rev ops point person. It's really just out of our startup-ish culture where we run a really lean operation, a lean organization. I do think that that person most definitely could benefit from having one or two additional. But I, you know, I'm not sure because I've actually operated at multi-billion dollar companies where the sales ops, rev ops organization was also not, you know, four or five deep. Yeah, you might have the support from, say, a business intelligence engineer and some other folks, but I've actually operated to be at a billion-dollar organization, if not uh, you know, the smaller area that I'm operating now, one or two folks at most. Uh, I've never really operated with either sales ops or rev ops with a team of more than one or two. Yeah, that's fascinating. Super interesting. And what are the types of stuff that, that they're working on for you all? Like I said, great time that we're having this chat. So... One of the unique things about blend in the localization space, and I'm hopeful that this might resonate with with others. um, Traditionally, our offering to the market was really services-based. And as such, the revenue type was what's called non-recurring revenue. So project-based transactional. Over the last year or so, we've been on the march where we're actually also selling our technology platform. So now we have a combination of committed revenue, which could be in the form of ARR, MRR, along with NRR or non-recurring revenue. So you have technology plus services and you know committed revenue, regardless of the recurrence and non-committed revenue that might be more like usage or consumption-based. So working with sales ops, rev ops to instrument that, back to your question about what is rev ops and how does that serve the totality of the organization? 
how does that resonate throughout the entire org and being instrumented you know, on the front end with sales and all the way in the back end with finance, our systems, Salesforce, and beyond, re-instrumenting all that so you can actually capture committed or recurring revenue along with non-recurring revenue. That's really where we are in, in our transformation. A lot of overhauling happening, but it's really, really exciting. I love it. And, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more here in our next segment, Rev Obstacles. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to one. There's your obstacle. Where we talk about <laughs> all the tough parts of RevOps. Um, nice. What's the what's the hardest RevOps problem that you've you've faced in the last six months? Obviously, going through a, a little bit of a, a change there. I'm sure you've faced faced a number of them. Yeah. Related to that, I think was also you know Rev Oops <laughs> that I've that I've committed, but. One of the biggest challenges was and remains instrumenting Salesforce at the opportunity object record with a product catalog that if you think about it, if I treat my sales reps like customers and I try and make their customer experience as easy, fast, lightweight as possible, the ability to go in and say forecast an opportunity, select from your product catalog, which for me is a combination of technology, packages, and service offerings, that right now is not fully instrumented the way that you know it needs to be. The organization moves faster than the systems, the processes, and the people can instrument. I certainly didn't have the foresight you know, to, to work on that before because we were servicing so many other things. That's probably one of the biggest things that I would say is, how do I make the product catalog at the opportunity object record, which then instruments me right for better forecasting, revenue attribution, data analysis, uh, all the way back through to operations and finance, et cetera. So again, that's where we are in our journey is probably having to launch, right? The complexity of a product catalog and making it easier for sales reps, making it easier for finance, making it easier for the production and the product team. That's really where we're at right now. I love that example. It's it's such a great point that I think, you know, a lot of RevOps leaders struggle with where they're they're running all these uh you know all these dashboards or uh trying to look at all these projections and it's just you know it's they're trying to make trying to make magic with lima beans you know with non-magical beans yeah uh trying to build yeah. a beanstalk right it's just it's not yeah. going to work if fundamentally at the beginning you're you're working off of incorrect information that's right how do you think RevOps should balance sales, marketing, and CS, because sometimes, you know, you have three mouths to feed and not enough, not enough food, especially if you have a small team. So I've actually talked about a particular tool that I learned through all my sales methodology training, because I was, I was a rep prior to becoming a sale, you know, joining sales leadership. And there's a tool called a sequence of events and different organizations have a different name for it, but effectively like a buyer's roadmap. Yeah. Uh, or a buyer's plan. So that's actually a very fundamental tool in my sales process, which is a very customer obsessed or customer focused sales process. And I'm actually using that as a blueprint to answer your question. I'm using the sequence of events, which is really a reflection of how I'd like my customer experience to be from the time they start evaluating our company to the time they sign contract to the, to the time they onboard and or launch, be it product and or services. We're using the sequence of events to take a look at the customer 
journey and the customer experience and connecting that all the way through to CS and the onboarding and launch experience or implementation experience. Just got off a meeting today where we're evolving this sequence of events, which is quite codified for the sales process, but not as codified for the customer success process because we're just launching that right now. We've hired folks that have a lot of customer success experience. But it's likewise being used with the marketing team, and it's likewise being used with the senior leadership team so that everybody's operating off of a, let's call it a nucleic customer journey or customer experience. So right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm using that as my, let's call it my blueprint to drive. And then my RevOps, sales ops team is following along so they're understanding the 30,000 foot strategy. Because another thing that I try and do with sales ops, RevOps is Make sure they're connected to the 30,000 foot, the 50,000 foot business goal, business question, business strategy, and let them help define the how-to as opposed to just come to them and try and program like, like a robot and tell them exactly what to do, make them part of the solutioning right, to achieve your goal. But again, to summarize the sequence of events, which is really a reflection of the desired or intentional customer experience that we want to drive, that's the blueprint we're using to tie sales, customer success, uh, customer support, the whole group really uh, to tie it all together. I love that. And how do you make that? Like, is it just something that you're making with Google Docs or you, do you have a software you're using? Yeah. So I know there's software out there and I've talked a lot about the, uh, the criticality of the sequence of events. I mean, it, it goes so far beyond, you know, the um, impact or contribution to RevOps sales ops, but yeah, it's an Excel spreadsheet. It's super simple, right? Sometimes the simplest tools are the best tools. It is a tool out of a, out of a sales methodology from way back when, but it's probably my most favorite, most effective tool. I arm all my reps with it, but then I also use that, right, to drive and bring the entire organization cohesive to that opportunity or to that account or to that customer. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a simple table. Um, that's the origination of it. There is software out there. I understand there's some interesting software for that that can plug into Salesforce. But right now, I just keep things simple and use an Excel or Google Doc for it. Well, I, you know, I think it's RevOps people oftentimes are so numbers-driven and data-driven. Uh, and if you're looking for whatever it is, you know, holes where the bucket's leaking or if you're looking at all that stuff, but like you said, if you don't have the map, then it can be really challenging to figure out like, oh, well, hey, something's happening over here. Why is that thing happening? And, and if you're not zooming out far enough, you, you don't realize that like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a leak on two floors above me. That's why there's, That's you right. know, it keeps being uh, all this stuff here. It's like, yeah, every single rep always promises that we can implement in, in whatever, uh, 60 days. Every time, you know, at 90 days, they get pissed off stuff like that where your customer success team is like yeah no we tell everybody 90 days and you're like well why is everybody why are the customers turning or whatever you know like those yeah, sort of things yeah. when you're on the same page and you have that blueprint i love that that's a great uh that's a great great way to align the three teams all right let's get to our next segment the tool shed hey, hey brandon michael want to do me and mom a favor get off that shed this is my favorite place <laughs> the tool shed We're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B tool shed is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com right now and check them out. Yes. Daniel, what's in your tool shed? 
I've got at the base, I'm salesforce.com as a CRM. I'm in HubSpot for marketing automation. I'm actually, I suppose, maybe hacking HubSpot for sales engagement. I did have another tool for sales engagement, but we moved off of that for simplicity's sake. One of the more recent tools that we deployed within the last year was ZoomInfo. So that's been a game changer for us. Now I do have, as I'm sure many of the providers for data, they have this challenge. When you get outside the United States, the quality of data, the constraints with GDPR, uh, so the quality of data, say within me, and then even with APAC, it's a lot harder to get the same quality of data and even the intent functionality that ZoomInfo brings, which is really, really cool. But I'm in ZoomInfo for data. And then I've got a combination of you know Zoom, LinkedIn Navigator, DocuSign, Unbounce, Microsoft Teams, kind of the, the whole rest of that for execution. But I'd say the big, big tools that my reps use and my sales ops, rev ops use is Salesforce, Tableau, ZoomInfo. And then we also have our our own platform, backend platform uh, that, we're, that we're connected, all interconnected with. And then I'm happy to comment on tools that I'm evaluating and looking to add, but that's what my stack looks like now. Yeah. What are you looking at? Uh, what are you looking to add and, and why? So I've evaluated sales engagement tools like outreach, sales loft, and, and that sort of thing. I'm quite interested in those types of, of adding those types of tools. I'm also interested in tools like Connect and Sell that allow me to produce a lot more calls, connects, direct phone engagement with customers. I think that we have such an over-reliance on email these days and, and mass emailing cadences, sequences, you know, and it's just, it's just a lot of email. And at the end of the day, you know, it's this type of personal relationship that makes such a difference when you're selling. And I don't much care if you're selling services and or high-tech products, the ability to, you know, to engage with customers and prospects on the phone and even, you know, real-time chat, things like that. Um, but the next ones would be things like, right, sales engagement, and then some level of just increasing my calls and connects. What metrics do you uh, care about? What's coming into focus for us right now is, I suppose, usage or consumption, right? So if I'm looking at my pipeline for bookings, if I'm looking at my revenue as a, as a trailing indicator, I'm actually trying to get somewhere in between and what's my actual consumption or usage. That proves to be somewhat interesting challenge for my business, as well as the instrumentation to provide us that signal. But that's probably one of the biggest metrics that I don't really have fully instrumented quite yet, but that usage or consumption, and that can actually drive lots of innovation in how we sell, how we drive and foster the customer experience. But, you know, qualified pipeline from my SDR team, renewals, upsells, churn, probably your stereotypical metrics. The big one for me, and I don't know how much different that might be from other organizations, is the actual usage of, of my services and, um, and getting instrumented for that, uh, to report on that both from a financial point of view, from an operational point of view. That might or might not be unique to my business, but that's probably one of the biggest ones. How do you know if something in your pipeline is not working? And, and what's an example of, of a time that that happened and how you fixed it? We've talked a lot about this combination of committed or recurring revenue with non-recurring revenue. When I got a mix of that, uh, you really talked about a unit of measurement. You get a mix of recurring 
with non-recurring, you're really mixing apples and oranges. And so because the topic, you know, the topic here being RevOps is instrumenting Salesforce <laughs> and whether or not we were hacking it or, or really doing what it's meant to do, but instrumenting Salesforce to actually forecast those two vectors concurrently, organize the opportunity object record in Salesforce to allow a salesperson to show the difference between my platform fee, which is going to be more of my recurring, and then my services or consumption forecast. That was a feat of architecture that without my sales ops, rev ops person being able to literally redefine business workflows and rules within Salesforce that I couldn't have those two concurrently living. But I found this out because as we were working opportunities that started having the combination of those two, one was a one-time revenue milestone and another was recurring. That recurring could have been monthly recurring and it could have been annual recurring, but mixing the two was causing wrong signals in the pipeline. We've since fixed that, but I have to hand it to sales ops, rev ops, and the instrumentation of which is nowhere near my subject matter expertise. But being able to explain that concept to the sales ops, rev ops team, and then watching them work through that, I wouldn't say that we've got it totally whipped. And this may be, this may be very different from other businesses that either just sell tech and or just sell services, but the combination of the two, which is where I'm living, so I'm kind of SaaS, kind of not. That's been probably one of the most unique challenges, right, in, in our pipeline and in our Salesforce instance. Do you have situations where someone comes in to look at services as sort of a one-off thing and then they end up graduating into a SaaS? Because that's when you really start to get the RevOps wheels turning, I'm sure. 100%. That is 100% happening. And we're trying to provide a a path for customers because interestingly that you asked that question, the industry that we operate in has traditionally purchased in project-based engagements, mm -hmm. a standard start, stop purchase order, right? And then if they want to buy more, it's a repeat purchase. Yep. What we're trying to do is to help customers see the annual picture, right? Because usually the engagement that we have, which may or may not be similar to others, it's a long-term engagement. Customers can spend three to six months just evaluating suppliers. That comes with pretty comprehensive technology ecosystem that they're also evaluating. We call it their localization technology stack. Here, we're talking about our go-to-market technology stack. But yes, we have customers that will come in and just start with a project and over time graduate to a more termed engagement or annual engagement. And they're also progressing from maybe just the services to some level of the, the platform that we offer, along with services. And the reason I say it's transformational is because the customer psychology is also changing. And I actually found this at the last organization I was at, where you're also trying to change the customer psychology to move from just buying services to buying a platform upon which you render those services. And now you're also creating feature functions that used to be service-based. You're actually building that into the platform and it becomes a feature for a feature function or a bell and whistle on the platform and it's more automated it's not human driven it's ai driven so we're seeing this kind of this transformation and i've seen it across a couple of different industries and and company sizes but yes and then providing a path for customers to walk over the bridge as i like to say and you can help them walk over the bridge you don't have to try and force them 
to jump over that bridge. But yes, we're doing that right now as we speak. I love it. Well, we need to check in with you in, in, in a year to figure out how all that's going because I love that sort of thing. I'm, I'm sure you can have a, a thousand dashboards that show all those different uh, conversions um, makes it yeah. that much more complex. And it really blends, I mean, this is why RevOps is so important, right? It really blends marketing and sales, right? And customer success. Like, when do you upsell? When, yeah. or cross-sell? Or how does that relationship change? When does that mindset change? Something like, you know, the financing and the culture changing, affecting your entire kind of go-to-market strategy. It's endlessly, uh, endlessly cool. Yeah, agreed. Do you have any blind spots? We, we discussed this a little bit, but any blind spots where, that you wish you could measure better? I'm sure like everybody, my biggest blind spot is conversion rates. Yeah. So conversion rates at the top of the funnel. So I got to tell you this quick story. Would you believe that in a recent board meeting, the board wanted to know conversion rates from MQL to SQL to stage one. So everything above the funnel. Now we have that calculated, but we have to do it manually, right? You have to do it manually for every month, every quarter, mm -hmm. anytime you're going to go to a board meeting, anytime you're going to go to a senior leadership team. And this is something that we might talk about later is, you know, the future for RevOps, marketing and finance. Finance wants to know where marketing is, growth marketing is spending its dollars and it actually wants to see the conversion rates. Then I need to see conversion rates within my pipeline from stage to stage. And then I need to see conversion rates from, for us, bookings to actual revenue. And then even tucked in between there are my usage statistics, which is a leading indicator of revenue and is kind of po it's post, post my booking. So broad, broadly speaking, blind spot for me, conversion rates. And it's up and down the chain, right? From above the funnel, in the pipeline, after win or after contracts. And we're doing that manually is really the, the story. So I would love to have that more automagical so that I can move levers and knobs to improve those conversion rates. What are your uh, top three uh, spreadsheets that you've been checking out? Budget, number one. So my budget is managed in a spreadsheet, meaning when we start out the year, we lay out the revenue segments and how much we're going to achieve from each revenue segment on a monthly, quarterly basis. That's simple budget management. I meet with my team twice a month using that spreadsheet to track uh, actuals to budget uh, on a per revenue segment and group uh, level. Quota, quota calculation, quota assignment, quota management. I'm also doing that in spreadsheet. So it is one of my go-to spreadsheets. And believe it or not, account mapping, I do not have any sort of, you know, automagical or fancy solution for account mapping. And I, I serve thousands and thousands of customers. So it's an unwieldy, not the funnest thing to do in a spreadsheet, but truth be told, budget, quota, account mapping, you know, when I think about my go-to-market tech stack and the priority of where I'm spending those dollars and the very few dollars that I have, those are nice to haves. They're not must-haves because I'm I'm inventing and simplifying, which is a leadership principle. I'm inventing and simplifying with the spreadsheet. So those are my three, my three biggest and go-to spreadsheets right now. Any spreadsheet tips? I've spent way too many hours working on spreadsheets. And I've learned the hard way. So I, I didn't figure this out until later, but you know, my key word would be taxonomy. So the reason I say taxonomy is when you build these types of spreadsheets, let's take the budget, for example, if you build with the right taxonomy, I actually get a lot more mileage out of the use of my spreadsheet 
Whereas if I build to even a hard-coded taxonomy or an overly simplified taxonomy, and that's really like parent-child relationship, right? And how I structure that. If I can get the taxonomy right, I actually have learned the hard way that I can get a lot more scale and a lot more mileage out of the spreadsheet as opposed to having to reconstruct later on. I've learned this the hard way and learned that if I take a little bit more time up front, think through right the, the tree structure, if you think about it, if I can organize that correctly, I, I literally have spreadsheets that I've been using for years. And then the taxonomy might change a little bit, but the structure and even things like grouping, which became one of my favorite functionalities in Excel, you know, if you can group columns and or group rows, you can get to the plus or minus sign on the side where you can expand and collapse things. So that's another tip that has been great for me because when I need to go to a board meeting or an SLT meeting, if I need to communicate something really complex, but in simple form, I collapse everything to a really simple table. And then if I expand from there, I can go to run to an operational meeting and get into the nitty gritty, you know, speeds and feeds and weeds. So those two things, believe it or not, they're, they're big go-tos for me in spreadsheet management. How about something new that you've been using that you can't live without? Zoom Info is kind of a shiny, shiny new toy for us. It's about a year, but the intent data or the intent functionality that Zoom Info has is, is quite interesting. We're still building the muscle around it. I suppose everybody can say, well, it's, you know, my industry is different and my industry is unique, but you know, we're trying to use that intent data across multiple geos. So like I said, America is EMEA, APAC. You don't necessarily get all the same intent signals in all three geos. But I do think the more that we're trying to leverage, let's call it artificial intelligence or you know, advanced machine learning, be it within Salesforce or within tools like Zoom Info, and then you combine that all together, the endoskeleton, which is the you know, great way to think about the go-to-market tech stack, that endoskeleton, I think the sales teams that win are the ones that really harness right, the totality of the go-to-market tech stack, the individual tools, the artificial intelligence, the machine learning that's in those tools and the combination of those tools. But the, that intent data is probably where we're building the muscle the most right now. And it's, you know, like I said, the shiny new toy for us in the tech stack. Any final thoughts on, on data before we head into our, uh, our next segment here? Anything cool you're doing with data? Yeah. So again, not knowing what others have done, but we're actually launching an enterprise level dashboard or console to help, again, improve the overall customer experience. And Tableau is great. I mean, I'm a fan of Tableau. We used to have an, another tool prior to Tableau. But what Tableau does for us is allows us to do a lot of visualization and slicing and dicing with all kinds of data. So we're actually feeding the customer portal or dashboard based on data that really was just, I suppose, hidden, not intentionally, but hidden from the customer. And we're bringing that to the front. So be it you know, work in progress, cost efficiencies, delivery times, other key metrics in terms of usage and consumption. We're leveraging Tableau, which houses all of our data and then feeding that to the customer console, which will be both accessible via desktop, desktop but also in the future via mobile app. So really what you start to do is you start to put, you know, 24-7 accessibility to a customer's experience and, you know, their specific usage of our product and our services um, in, in the palm of their hand and giving them that data and that accessibility to that data, I think is so critical. So that for us is where we're at. And again, it ties, it all ties back to the customer experience. 
All right, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. Quick! Quick questions and quick answers. Daniel, are you ready? Shoot. Number one, if you could be an animal, or sorry, if you could make an animal (laughs) any size, what animal would it be and what size? Yeah, that's an easy one. I'm a golden retriever, and I would make him the size of a big teddy bear. So best dog I ever had was golden retriever, and uh, the cuddliest thing you can imagine. So just supersize that thing so you could sit on it like a beanbag and hang out with how I hang out with your dog. Is there a RevOps misconception that's out there that you want to you wanna clarify? Yeah, you know, I love taking this opportunity to, again, promote the criticality of sharing uh, business strategy, business goals, business questions that you're trying to accomplish. Technology by itself doesn't solve anything, right? It's a means to an end. And the RevOps and SalesOps folks, if you give them the opportunity to be truly connected to the 30,000-foot view, where the organization is trying to head, they understand that 30,000 foot view. I have found they actually, you know, enjoy their work much better and you give them the creative flexibility to solve the technical challenges to accomplish those business goals. However, they, they may contribute and or think is the faster way, better way to solve it. I am not a technologist. I rely on sales ops, rev ops to help me accomplish or at, you know, answer the business question that I have or accomplish the business goal that I'm trying to accomplish for the, for the business. That requires having them connected to the, to the bigger picture. And sometimes I have seen that they don't get connected and they're operating in a vacuum. So that'd be my biggest suggestion and or learning. Make sure they're connected to the big picture. Do you have a RevOps prediction for the future? Marketing and finance. I've never really seen right that that connection. You talk about sales and marketing needing to be connected, but what I'm seeing now, at least in our organization, all the way through to the board, is show me how right finance and the board asking, show me how growth marketing is creating that qualified pipeline that's serving the the overall sales organization and the effectiveness and the productivity of those marketing dollars going in to create the qualified pipeline. But that for me is where I see us going is so much more connectivity between, say, the board, senior leadership team with uh, marketing and finance. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show you've been checking out recently? I do. I'm a huge podcast fan. I'm, I'm, I'm on uh, podcasts every single day. And one of my favorite is Ed Milet. I listen to Ed Milet a lot. He interviews really great people. I'm also a big fan of Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. Also, some amazing, very spiritual, enlightened folks that, that she interviews. So those are probably two that I listen to the most. Awesome. I haven't I haven't checked out Ed. I'll, I'll give it a listen. Great to hear that you're a huge podcast fan. Of course, we, we love that. If you weren't in business at all, if you're in some other profession, what would you be doing? A uh, huge do-it-yourself landscaper, hardscaper. And if I could do that to 24 hours a day, I would. So I've owned lots of property and I've done a lot of work myself. And I just, I don't know, there's something about being outside in nature and working on, working on your ranch that is the most therapeutic thing in the world. So that's, that's where I'd be at this point in my life. I used to be a soccer player, but those are, those days are coming gone. Yeah. So, well, first off, I need to send you a photo of my 
my I just got a house and my front yard looks like absolute uh absolute disaster zone. <laughs> and so does my backyard. So I'll send you some photos uh, and you can do some uh some amateur uh, landscape uh design. Amazing. Are you uh who's your soccer team? Uh so my family's from Brazil and I actually used to play soccer with uh Sean Whiteley at qualifies long, long, long time ago. So um but yeah, I'm a big uh, Brazil player and or fan rather. And I'm also a huge fan of uh, English Premier League. So every, almost any team, as long as soccer is playing on my TV 24-7, that's my religion. I love it. What do you think of uh, USA's uh, World Cup uh, World Cup chances here? We got the, the U-20s just qualified <laughs> for the U-20 World Cup for the Olympics. American soccer on the rise. It's on the rise. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> All right. Any, uh, what, what would be your, your advice if you're sitting now with someone who's, uh, who's newly running a RevOps team and um, what advice would you, uh, would you give them? I'm going really kind of 50,000 foot view without getting any, any speeds and feeds, but from all the sales ops, RevOps folks that I've worked with, giving them connectivity to the bigger picture, the North star, where is the organization going and having visibility of that three, six plus months out. My job is to constantly communicate and re-communicate and fine-tune that narrative and then share it with right the folks that are going to be the doers, uh, the operators, the enablers. Sales ops, rev ops is that group for me. They are my right hand. The only reason I'm successful is because they instrument me to be successful. And the way for me to help them be successful is make sure they have an understanding of the overall narrative. I find that you know everything works so much better Nothing goes as fast as the, the, the organization wants. Everything takes longer. It's harder. But connecting sales ops, rev ops to that big picture, I think, is, uh, is probably one of my biggest recommendations and learnings. Daniel, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any other thoughts? No, man, I love this topic. I really enjoyed the conversation. Would, would love to you know, engage with the community more. There's so much more to learn from a lot of the operators that actually do the rev ops and sales ops. That I think if you flip it around, sales leaders can learn a lot from those folks. So I've got a lot of respect for uh, the whole world of sales ops, rev ops, and the tech stack. It's, oh, it's, it's my passion. Well, I mean, I think that that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show. I mean, I think that we're at a point now where if you were to look at the best CROs of tomorrow, every single one is going to understand how and where to deploy a RevOps team and the type of questions to be asking. And like, that's part of the reason why we're making this show, right? Is like, this stuff is not obvious right now. No, Um, no. And there's a lot of people who don't have a RevOps team at all or have one person and that's it. And, uh, And if you look at just like how much revenue created these teams are making, like value added, like, like high ROI initiatives to build a RevOps team, like, Again, it's going to be a no-brainer that we we continue to build these out over the over the coming years. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, Michael Jordan and Pippen. I know I'm dating myself, but Michael Jordan, one of the best players. But you can't look at Michael Jordan without Pippen. It's kind of the same thing for me. You know, sales leadership and RevOps, sales ops. It's a dynamic duo. A hundred percent agree with what you just said. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, it it reminds me of. 
or good U.S. national soccer team, right? Where it's like when all the guys are on the team and the link-up play starts happening and you get, yes. you know, you get the beautiful soccer and, you know, you can go from playing out the back all the way to an opportunity seven seconds later. It's it's like a very different thing than, oh, you have one or two star players and then there's all these kind of breaking points. Like that's what RevOps is. It's the It's the thing that allows you to see, oh, okay, well, we keep breaking down in midfield or, oh, we keep breaking yes. down, you know, we can never push to the left side of the field or, or whatever it is and continue the soccer analogy as far as we could possibly yeah. take it. But, but that's what it feels <laughs> like, right? It's like you're sitting there as a, as, as a CRO and you're like, why can we never figure out this thing? And it's like, and the data is telling us something that's, that might be wrong. And it turns out, oh, like there's a reason you need someone to look into that and figure it out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Well, I appreciate you having me today. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, for our listeners, go to getblend.com uh, to learn more about localization. Uh, if uh, if you know someone who's looking for localization services to grow your business, check out Blend. Uh, thanks again, uh, Daniel, and uh, we'll talk soon. My pleasure, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.